0: Hello, LifeSite friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Each round is stamped on the back with an image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, we feature... LifeSite's logo, surrounded by brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches, and each round commemorates LifeSite's 25 years of pro-life, pro-family reporting in America, Canada, and beyond. These one troy ounce rounds are 0.999 pure silver, and LifeSight has just under 10,000 in stock. They're beautiful, historic, and forever enshrining the most important American pro-life victory of a generation. This first edition LifeSight silver round is the perfect gift for yourself or anyone you love that collects precious metals and is passionately pro-life. And each purchase helps directly fund LifeSight's pro-life and pro-family mission. This is the first precious metals collectible of its kind that is directly supporting LifeSite's worldwide mission that you know, love and trust. And now it can be yours while limited supplies last. Get your 1 troy ounce rounds of 99% pure silver today by clicking the first link below. And celebrate life with all of us at LifeSite News. Hey LifeSite friends. I want to bring you... In fact, I want to introduce you to somebody. You know we have great coverage of what's happening in Germany. Of course, we have Micah Hickson, our star reporter who covers all things Vatican and in Germany for us. But we actually have a reporter who lives in Vienna who is obviously German and uh, is able to report from us from all the things that are happening in Germany. And you know... Germany is ground zero right now for the rebellion in the church. So let me introduce you to LifeSite reporter Andreas Weiltze. Andreas, welcome to the program. Thank you, John Henry. Thank you for interviewing me. And it is so great because we're able to talk from ground zero about what's going on in the church. And it is, as you know, very disturbing. For the last two years, we have seen the progress of the so-called synodal pathway that they're doing here. And it's been a great revolution. But it's not so much of a revolution. It's just brought out what's already been going on underneath the surface, and it's come out. So first of all, Andreas, would you mind telling us, just introduce us to yourself, introduce all of our viewers to yourself, because we probably don't know you that well, and then we'll get into the issues. And before we do, let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the Cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Andreas, tell us about yourself. Well, you know,
1: I was born and raised in Austria. I I grew up there. I'm, you know, uh, from Vienna. And uh, I was actually, I didn't grow up Catholic in that sense. I mean, I was baptized as a child, but uh, we never went to church really. And uh, so that was never a thing for me. Until I went to a Catholic retreat with my then girlfriend, now she's my wife. And, uh, well, I converted there, basically. I I found that, you know, the, the Catholic... Faith is true, and the supernatural is true, and uh, from there my my faith journey began. That was in about 2016, and uh, my faith deepened since then. And um, yeah, I started um, you know to read up on more of my faith on LifeSite, for instance. It was one of my one of my sources, and uh, you know, and then the whole COVID thing happened, and things got crazy, and I got you know pressurized my job um, about the COVID vaccines and so on people who, who follow maybe the reporting in Austria know that in Austria we had a really strict you know draconian Covid regime really and um, that was kind of when I kind of saw or God really led me to, on, on a bit of a different path from my sort of business career into a different path and I uh, I had met Alexander Truguel, who founded the St. Boniface Institute and who famously threw the Pachamama statues in, into the Tiber River in 2019 and and uh, I uh, started working with him for some time, and I worked worked with him for the St. Boniface Institute. And uh, then he, you know, w- at some point we just talked about, we started talking about Lifesight, who I was following, and he he mentioned at some point that Lifesight may be looking for, for journalists. And uh, I wasn't a journalist per se at the time, but I was researching and writing, so I was doing journalistic work in a sense. And um, yeah, then at some point it just came up, you know, that, you know, maybe I should should apply to for LifeSite, and and, and I did, and uh, yeah, now I'm here, and uh, I'm I'm very happy, and I, yeah, I work for LifeSite, and I cover, you know, I write articles about all kinds of things, but especially about things going on here in Germany and Austria and Europe in general, but especially the German-speaking world. Well, because like like you said, I, I speak German, and that's my mother tongue. So, um, and there's. A lot of things to report on lately, because, as you mentioned, there's just another way going on, which is, well, really a a, a pivotal moment in church history and in German church history, which is, well, maybe even a new schism, as, as it's looking right now. It, hopefully not, but it is not looking good. And uh, also politically, Germany is, there's a lot of things going on here that are concerning and worth reporting about for LifeSite. So, Yeah that's
0: beautiful that's me. what what i really love is that all of our crew at LifeSight are very very faithful and you're able to bring therefore your faith into the fore while reporting and, and so the people out there know that they can trust you that you're faithful that you love our lord you love the faith you love the holy sacrifice of the mass and so we're doing this out of love now You worked with Alexander Chuguel, who is a hero of mine, and I think many out there know him very, very well as the Pachamama destroyer or whatever uh, they know him by. But he famously did this work, work of the Lord, praised by various cardinals as a work of the Lord that will go down in history. Um, You were very privileged to work with him, and you had that fighting spirit working with him, I'm sure, and you're bringing that to your work now. So let's let's talk about uh, the faith in Germany. Uh, I know Germans have been persecuted in their faith, even historically. I mean, they they suffered both world wars. Um, But even before that, there was Lutheranism that came to Germany, and and Catholics were already persecuted. But now we're in this time where the faithful are almost abandoned by almost all the shepherds. There there are, of course, the handful of exceptions in, in, in Austria and Germany together, by the way. What's your picture of the church in Germany right now, and of the fight to maintain the faith from the faithful? Well,
1: it's sort of uh, a few bishops and faithful Catholics against everyone else. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like you mentioned, unfortunately, the majority of the German bishops is does not really hold to the traditional Catholic teaching, and we know this. Not just I'm not just saying this you know, because they already made a statement here and there, but because they actually voted on it. They, just last September, they had their uh, fourth synodal assembly and they actually voted on texts that call for changing church teaching on unchangeable things like homosexuality and um, marriage and um, the female, uh, women ordinations and so on. So things that the church has already definitively taught and that matters are closed, like with women ordinations, for instance, John Paul II wrote, that is a closed matter. There's, there's nothing you can do. It it is, it is settled by the church, and these other matters are settled as well. And um, yet they're pushing forward and and voting for these things. So it's it's they are really much more open. I mean, like you said, you mentioned it before. These things were going on under the surface for decades now. This really sort of um, very liberal left wing turn that uh, many bishops have taken, and uh, really you know, borderline heretical, I mean, material heretics at least with things they're saying. But now the Germans they are really open. They're really saying, no, we want to we change the church and we want to be Catholic differently, like uh, the head of the German Bishops Conference said. Basically, they want to have a new church. That's what they're saying. So yeah. they want to have a new reformation. And uh, that's why I said before, sort of a new schism. that I think we're seeing unfolding here, unless something miraculous happens. So it's, it's a really, um, you know troublesome situation. Um, but there are, on the other hand, there are faithful bishops um, here. We have one of them here, Bishop Foderholzer uh, of Regensburg. He is one of the most faithful uh, in Germany and he courageously spoke out against the nodal Way as one of the only ones who actually not only voted against, uh, you know, heterodox documents, but also spoke out and he received a lot of hate for it. And um, there's many, there's now many lay initiatives um, one is called New Beginning, but there's uh, then one is called Mary 1.0. There are many lay initiatives of lay Catholics, and, and some of them are supported by priests, who are coming up that are saying, no, this is we want to be faithful to the church. And, and, and they are opposing the bishops, well, not opposing the bishops per se, but opposing the things that the bishops are teaching that are not um, in line with Catholic teaching. And um, so that is happening at the same time. So we're seeing small awakenings, um, I think, but I mean, I guess the if you want to call it mainstream German church is 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 in a dire situation. Um, but um, again, we're seeing people come up and especially lay initiatives and also some bishops were fighting back both in Austria and Germany. But Germany, especially, is you know sort of the focal point because of the synodal way and because of what's going on, and um, yeah, also because of the global uh, synod that is going on right now in the Vatican, Francis' synod, which. Many fear will sort of be a global version of this in all the way, which is, um, you know, would be very, very bad for the church and for the faithful, even though we know church teaching can change, but it would at least cause massive confusion. It already is. So, yeah, so that's what I would say what the picture is. I mean, there there are other positive examples as well. One just, just came to my mind is there is a, a priest director of the St. Philip Neri Institute. He founded the institute in Berlin. So Berlin is one of the most liberal cities in in, in Western Europe, you could say. And he founded a traditional Catholic um, institute there. And he defied the government's orders during the COVID lockdowns. And he became famous for it. Like the national mainstream media was reporting about him. He became sort of a, a hero for the for the uh anti-lockdown and anti-draconian measure movement and and he you know had the traditional latin mass and offered it he found ways around it and 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 wouldn't you know uh give in to the government so he's a great example i think in the tradition of of someone like a uh blessed cardinal galen who he was uh who courageously spoke out against the nazis in in their time of of their dictatorship there who the nazis some claim that you know they were christian but of course they were very anti-christian in their rhetoric and they hated christianity or true christianity and the catholic church and they persecuted the true faithful catholics like cardinal Gallin but he spoke out courageously and uh i think you know someone like um like i just mentioned this 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 rector in in, in berlin stands in a tradition of him so there are faithful catholic prelates and um, lay people, and I think I want people to know that, because if you hear, only read the news, even if you le- read lifeside, you only think, wow, Germany is basically lost, and it may seem that way, but there are really faithful Catholics here, and yeah. So that's
2: Beautiful. It.
0: Andreas, Jim, and I had an opportunity to sit down with Bishop Wodoholzer, and uh, let's take a look at that now. We are so pleased to be here with the bishop, in Regensburg here, the bishop who has stood faithful, uh, especially in this very difficult time for Germany, for the whole wide world's church, looking at Germany, promoting this synodal way. One of the outspoken bishops in Germany who has been sticking strong to the faith, sticking strong to the truth, despite the his brother bishops, you know, seeming to go in a majority in one direction, has been Bishop Vorderholzer, on behalf of LifeSight News and all of our viewers and readers around the world, uh, we wanted to say thank you so very much for standing true to the faith.
2: I thank you for your work and God bless your work in the
0: media world.
2: Um, I am very uh, proud that uh, you visit me and I uh,
0: wish you all the best.
2: Thank you so very God much. God bless you.
0: Thank you. Und kannst du auch mit uns ein bisschen in Deutsch beten? So nur die äh, Ave Maria. <lacht> ja.
2: Gegrüßet seist du, Maria, voll der Gnade, der Herr ist mit dir. Du bist gebenedeit unter den Frauen und gebenedeit ist die Frucht deines Leibes, Jesus.
0: Heilige Maria, Mutter Gottes, bitte für uns Sünde, jetzt und in der Stunde unseres Todes. Amen.
2: Ehre sei dem Vater und dem Sohn und dem Heiligen Geist. The all- ja, ja, the Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen, amen. Und ich habe dir, für dir auch eine Gebet, äh, Gebete, Gebet, ja. Gebete. Mein Vater hat mir äh, gelernt, und, äh, eine Ave Maria nach äh, Sankt Josef. Aha. Und es ist in Deutsch.
2: Ja.
0: Ave Josef, sei gepriesen, er und Lob sei dir erwiesen. Pflegevater unseres Herrn, unser Schutzer, unser Rater, Sechner unser liebe Vater, den wir grüßen froh und gern, lehr uns Jesu in dir lieben und die Demut treulich üben, lehr uns beten, so wie du, stehen lebens uns zur Seite, gib in Tod uns dein Geleite, führ uns ein zur ewigen Ruhe.
2: Heiliger Josef, bitte für uns.
0: Amen. Thank you again. God bless you. So, one of the things that I find truly amazing is that, yes, there's this reputation of, you know, what's going on in Germany. And we had a very funny thing happen. Jim and I were sitting at a, a restaurant in our in our hotel, and a young man came up to us. And he talked about, because, well, he was unmarried and not practicing the faith. Um, but we talked to him about, well, the faith and, and why not get married and so on. And it was funny because he said something to us that was the talking point of the left and not true in reality. What he said was, well, yes, I think, uh, you know, the church uh, is changing, and maybe uh, that's why people are coming back to the faith. And uh, we had to inform him, well, no, actually, they tried the changing in the 60s, and that was the greatest exodus from the church ever in its history, including in Germany, but all over the world. But there has been a movement particularly of young people back to the church and it comes thanks to tradition and so i wanted to ask you about that in germany is there also the same thing is there like we see in america uh wherever latin mass is and more traditional liturgy is there's the young people and it's a much a very great frustration for i know for pope francis and and many on the left in the church who don't want that to happen at all and want to restrict it and even stop it if possible but do you see that same thing happening in germany Yes, definitely. I mean, it's definitely happening in Germany and Austria where I am.
1: So um, I would say it's not like it's not as big, maybe as in the United States and France. These are two probably in Western uh, Europe or Western world the countries with the strongest Latin mass movement and traditional movement. But it's basically the same. So the the, the median age is much lower at the traditional Latin masses, and uh, they are growing. Um, yeah, both in Austria and Germany and, and in the German-speaking world. And um, you can also see, we have here in, or not here directly, but also in Bavaria, in Wiegradsbad, there's the original um, seminary of the FSSP, of the and um, when they were founded originally in 19, 1988. Mm-hmm. And it is booming, right? They had to, you know, build extra parts of the building and, and build, you know, make it bigger all the time because there's so many seminarians that are coming in there. So, um, you see that the tradition is growing, even though, um, with the restrictions that Pope Francis issued, um, it, it did hit some parts. I can, I can say it from Vienna. There were many, um, diocesan, especially, um, Latin masses who were shut down, unfortunately. So they're, they're, we're definitely feeling the restrictions. Um, but at the same time, you know, it is still growing and, and I think you can't stop it everywhere. And, and, it's going really well, and, and you know most young Catholics that I know, friends of mine, um, or relatively young, between like twenty and thirty or thirty five, um, they go to the Latin Mass or at least sy- sympathetic towards the Latin Mass, and um, you know I think it's just the same everywhere. If you if you want the Catholic faith, you want like the most real version of it, like the traditional version, because. Sort of, no one really wants a washed down version of the faith today because, um, yeah, it's like if you want rock concerts and so on, you can go somewhere else. But if you want like real traditional faith with even, you know, preaching and of fire and brimstone and uh, of salvation, really, of, 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 of the true gospel and of sort of this contrast between um, God's kingdom and the kingdom of the earth, which is. Um, if you are a faithful Catholic today, you sort of want that, or or you're not going to be a faithful Catholic, I think. So there's going to be, in a way, probably a good divide between young people who actually pra- want to practice the faith and want to stay faithful to the church, who will be more traditional, or will fall away entirely. Um, I don't think that many Catholics are going to, young Catholics, there, there's no societal pressure now to be Catholic anymore, like maybe there was still 60 years ago or something. So, yeah, I think it's definitely growing, and I think there are great examples, and... You know, the future belongs to the young, you know, more traditionally minded Catholics, I think. And yeah, we're going to see some shrinking, but I mean, they're even, you can see there are even calculations that say by 2040 or 2050, there will be more, quote unquote, traditional priests to celebrate traditional Latin mass than um, those order priests in France, for instance, which is a very sad reality because why that is is not only because the traditional priests are growing the numbers are growing but because the other numbers are collapsing which is very sad i'm not happy about this at all so i'm not saying this is a good thing but in a way i think there's no way forward without a shrinking and becoming more faithful like becoming a more faithful core of, of, of a catholic church i think because under the surface the damage is i'm afraid already done so of course we're always praying for conversion but yeah, I think that the, the future belongs to a more traditionally minded and faithful uh, Catholic youth. You
0: you said almost verbatim the very words that the man, priest, then bishop and pope from this town said. I'm talking, of course, of Pope Benedict XVI, who this was his town in Regensburg, where his brother led the Dome Choir here. Um and he predicted exactly that, that there would be a smaller church, but it would be a much purer church. And we are coming to that. One last thing I wanted to talk to you about was just because the times are so dire, especially in terms of the church, and we've had restrictions that we watched the restrictions on the masses just in total of the last couple of years that had not so much to do with the church other than that they acquiesced to the requests. Underground churches because while we see that in China and in places where it's restricted, like in Saudi Arabia and things like this, where, where really Catholics are persecuted, we're having a kind of persecution here, not only from government lockdowns, but even from the official church. Have you seen evidence, and maybe you can't talk about it, but have you seen evidence of an underground church already awakening here in Germany and in, in Austria and things like that?
1: Um, yes, certainly a little bit. I mean, we... We had it definitely during the lockdowns. I mean, I can say that now because you, you can't persecute us. <laughs> I, I hope <laughs> not anymore. But I mean, we had secret masses during the lockdowns, like probably most places in the world had um, definitely. And most of these secret masses were traditional masses because, you know, on average, you know, the traditional priests, they're going to be the ones that understand how important the mass and how important the Eucharist is. And you can shut it down, even if, you've, even if you believe the mainstream narrative about COVID, even if you think that is so dangerous it's still the it's still you know the body of christ the celebration of the body of christ i mean they had masses and and you know administered the holy eucharist when they had the plague in europe which is a million times worse than covid like even then they administered the sacraments because they still they believed in its power and realness and and so yeah so we definitely saw it during covid and um yeah now i mean it's it's hard to tell i mean The FSSP, for instance, where I go to most of the times, is still allowed officially by Francis to have the Latin Mass. And um, so, but I know, you know, a few priests that of course I'm not going to name who celebrate the Latin Mass privately, even though they would officially be forbidden to do it. And, you know, but as far as I understand, if someone comes to a private Mass, it's like, well, someone's there, like... Even a bishop can't forbid that, uh, but um I don't know. So I don't want to get into the canonical yeah, <laughs> details, but um yeah, it's happening a little bit, definitely. I mean, uh, thank God that I think prayers answered the uh, COVID lockdowns for now are over, but um so I think the the worst time of the underground church in, in the last 50 years at least um is for now over, but we may see it return. I think it was a good test run for yeah, for absolutely. us faithful Catholics to see, okay when persecution comes again of the mass, we already know sort of what to do and and and, and we're not stunned by, by that. And so I think it was a good sort of test run, yeah.
0: Absolutely. I think that is one of the greatest gifts that the whole COVID lockdown gave us, that we have had a test run. You've got to know who your most faithful priests are, who your friends are, whom you can trust, so that when we have to go into an underground church for perhaps other reasons, maybe a similar reason, We'll have that experience. You know, right here, right now, probably one of the coldest days in Germany, this weather is unbelievable. We had snow. When I flew into Germany this time, it looked very much like Canada at home. I was like, wow, everything's white. That's not normal here. But it is a kind of pathetic fallacy of what's going on here in the church in Germany. Things are very, very cold. But what is true is that the love of Christ still burns in the hearts of many faithful German Catholics. Andreas, thank you for being with us in this interview. And i was so glad to introduce you, Andreas, to all of our LifeSite readers, fans and supporters.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. And thank you to all our supporters and readers. And uh, yeah, it's it's a great honor to
0: work for LifeSite. Thank you, all of you. God bless you from Regensburg, Germany. And uh, Grüß Gott, as they say here. This is John Henry Weston for LifeSite News, bringing you breaking news out of Rome. Pope Francis has just given an interview with the Associated Press in which he says that bishops who encourage anti-sodomy laws need conversion. In fact, he also adds that the Church must even fight such anti-sodomy laws. This came in a new interview conducted with Associated Press. He, Pope Francis criticized bishops who maintained laws against sodomy in countries of Africa and elsewhere. He said, and I quote, These bishops have to have a process of conversion. He called for Tenderness, please God, as God has for each one of us, he said. Going further, the 86-year-old former Archbishop of Buenos Aires called any laws which criminalize sodomy unjust, adding that the Catholic Church must be involved in ending such laws. It must do this. It must do do this," he stated. And it's clear from his remarks that Pope Francis was referring to acts of sodomy rather than the inclination towards such acts. The Church has always taught that while homosexual sexual acts are gravely sinful, the inclination or same-sex attraction is not sinful. It is an objectively disordered inclination, of course, but not sinful unless acted upon. Yet Pope Francis seems confused about this reality as he said to the Associated Press, and I quote, being homosexual is not a crime. Being homosexual is not a crime. So he said, it's not a crime. Yes, but it is a sin. Fine, but let's first distinguish between a sin and a crime, he said, end quote. Ser homosexual no es un delito. No es un delito. Sí, pero bueno, primero, por so, he is obviously himself confusing this situation, and he either doesn't understand it or is trying to be smart with the media or whatever, I don't know. But nonetheless, being homosexual in the sense that you experience same-sex attraction is not a sin despite what Pope Francis said. Acting on that inclination by engaging in homosexual sexual relations is a sin. And in some countries, it is indeed a crime. So, expanding on his comments on LGBT identifying individuals, Francis declared that we are all children of God and God loves us as we are and for the strength that each of us fights for our dignity. So, let's go through that again. He said, we are all children of God. God loves us as we are and for the strength that each of us fights for our dignity. That's a little bit confusing, but there's, of course, very true what he says about God does love us all with all of our various inclinations to sin, sexual and otherwise. God loves the young man who's inclined to sex outside of marriage with his girlfriend or whatever But when he acts on that inclination, it's a sin condemned by God and harming the young man and his girlfriend, harming them both physically, psychologically, but worst of all, spiritually killing them. Similarly, God loves the man tempted to look at pornography. There's no sin in the temptation, but there is sin in doing it, and God's anger also when he acts upon that sin. In looking at porn and the self-abuse that usually accompanies that— there's sin. In committing that sin, this man not only harms himself physically and psychologically, but he grievously harms his relationship with God, killing his relationship with God, which can only be repaired by sacramental confession. So God loves the man also who is abnormally inclined to sexual relations with animals. Even though it's a disordered inclination, There's no sin in having that temptation. However, when acted upon, it's a grievous sin. In addition to the harm that it causes the animal, it harms the man physically, psychologically, spiritually. In some countries, it is also a crime which can carry criminal penalties. So laws against sexual perversion in various nations are there for the protection of the population. Some states outlaw adultery because they see the grave harm caused to society by broken families and the massive costs to the state by the poverty, abuse, and neglect which flow in the wake of broken families. And it is similar in the case of sex before marriage, where some states recognize that without support a woman can be left by a man with a child outside of wedlock, with venereal disease, and worse. So, most of these laws are also, or they encompass also, rape and pedophilia. Even in America in some states, there remain laws which forbid sexual relations between adults and minors. It is these laws which some bishops support in certain African countries. They do threaten criminal sanctions for harmful sexual acts, not for inclinations or temptations. Such laws do forbid the type of teaching of children in classrooms, which encourages sodomy, the LGBT ideology, and more. In a statement provided to LifeSite, a theologian commented that, and I quote, while not all sins should be made into crimes, Christian nations have generally treated homosexual activity as something harmful to society, which therefore needed to be declared illegal. He continued, Recent experience shows the wisdom of this, since the repeal of laws against such activity has led everywhere to a general confusion and decline of sexual morality, and even to the scarcely credible situation of people being uncertain about the nature of men and women. So, while Pope Francis stated that the bishops who support anti-sonomy laws need conversion, in truth, it is Pope Francis who needs a conversion. And on this day, the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, will you please join me in praying for the conversion of Pope Francis? It certainly seems every day that Pope Francis is much more a persecutor of Catholics than was Saul prior to his being knocked off his horse. For LifeSite News, this is John Henry Weston.